Now open your Bibles to the Gospel according to the good Dr. Luke. Luke 7, 18 to 35. It's a relatively longer passage than normal. And we're going to break it down into three, sort of, three sections. And just give you an overview of what's going on. But let me just make a couple points before we launch. You're going to be thumbing through your scriptures right now and get to verses 18 to 35. But let me, let me make a point. I think a passage like this, I believe, is proof that what you hold in your hands is true. It's truly the word of God and it's true. And because why would you put a story like this in here? The John doubting Jesus. I mean, why would you do that? You wouldn't. It's, it's a strange story. And we're going to unpack it. We're going to unpack it and see what's going on. But I wouldn't put it in there if I were writing the story. I would have left that. He's in prison. Leave him there. He did his work. He's done. But instead, he's doubting Jesus. Why is it in? Because it's true. You read so many things in the scriptures and you go, why would you put that in there? Because it's true. Peter denies and Thomas doubts and one patriarch after another doubting. It's true. It's exactly the way it happened. So this is a powerful passage for us to, to get an understanding of how our story intersects with John's. Okay? John the Baptist, greatest man alive at that point. Greatest man alive. Luke 7, 18 to 35. Hear now the word of God. John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out to see in the desert? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of woman, there is no one greater than John, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. To what then can I compare the, gener the people of this generation what are they like? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not cry. 
For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her children. And may God add his rich blessing to his inspired and errant and fallible word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. A day above all days where you have called us to corporate worship as a family of faith. So we ask now, Lord, you make this a word of salvation for those who are not saved. A word of comfort for those in storm winds that are blowing. And a word of rest for those who are tired and weary and heavy laden. All things to all people that some might be saved. Father, give us ears to hear, minds to understand, and hearts that beat for nothing smaller than Christ. No one came here today interested in listening to the imagination of a man. They are here, and they hunger, and they thirst for the revelation of God. Thunder it forth from this pulpit. Father, meet us in our deepest place of need today, but not as we prescribe those needs, but rather as you do. You know exactly what we need and when we need it. So we pause this day. And we look to you, the author, the finisher of our faith. Come, now fount of every blessing. Unclutter our minds and unburden our hearts that we might see Jesus in him only. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said... Final point of interest before we launch out so you can lock this in the back of your mind. Faith is not the opposite of doubt. You got that? It's critical. to Many in the church confused. Many in the church confused. Many. Doubt is, 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 is the opposite of faith. If I'm doubting that I have no faith in Jesus, be careful with that. It's not true. What's the opposite of faith? Unbelief. Unbelief. And you're going to see that in the Pharisees. Unbelief. Not doubt. It's hard to find in all of Scripture someone who never doubted. I don't see it in Stephen. I can't find it in Joseph. And, of course, Jesus never did. But everyone else we read about had seasons of doubt. So we need to understand what this is all about. This story's here for a reason. It's here to minister to us 2,000 years later. So we're going to take a look at it. Faith is not the opposite of doubt. Not at all. So three things we need to see under the heading, the greatest man alive. Believing doubt. There's a doubt that believes. Number two, unbelieving doubt. It's a doubt that is unbelief. And finally, delivering doubt. You're going to see that through John. You're going to see it in a variety of different ways. But before we even begin to unpack Let's just make sure that we're careful about the framework for John. What, what's the framework for John and Jesus? John baptized Jesus. John's a relative. Six months before Jesus, he's supernaturally conceived. Right? His father, the, the priest, Zechariah, his mother, Elizabeth, too old to bear children. The promise is made. He's conceived. He's born. His whole life is set apart. For this special calling. He baptizes Jesus. The heavens open. God speaks. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The dove comes down. Lights on his shoulders. John says in the gospel of John. John the Baptist says in 3.30. He must increase. I must decrease. And he's doubting. 
It seems strange, doesn't it? Well, it should minister to your heart. The great John the Baptist is struggling. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to God. It's okay to question God. Paul said we, we see dimly. We, we only see a portion. You read the Psalms and you hear them cry out. One cry after another. Why, oh God, why? We need to understand what this passage means to us today. Okay? Believing doubt. What's the cause of believing doubt? And it's the same cause throughout all of history. The same. It's really a single cause. You can break it down to, to countless causes. But there's a single cause. A single cause of believing doubt. Ready? Luke 7. The passage is 18. Three sections. We'll break it down. 18 to 27. John sends two disciples. Remember the testimony of how many? Two. Two disciples are being sent for a reason. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Verse 20. Are you the one? Disciples come now. John says go ask. John would have asked. John would have gone himself, but he can't. She sends two. Are you the one to come or should we expect? Pause. Circle expect. What does that mean? They had an expectation. Who? Israel. What was Israel waiting for? The Messiah. Are you the one that we should expect? Are you the one? Are you the one that's coming? Are you the promised one? Remember Dr. Kennedy, 333. Listen to me. 60 major. 60 major prophecies. That's major. And 273 minor. Put them all together. Fulfilled in one person. One person in his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. Jesus Christ. 333. So the expectation was clear. They knew he was coming. Are you the one? Should, should we expect another? Did, did, I, did I miss something? I know I baptized you and I said I'm not worthy to unloose the straps of your sandals. I heard God speak. I saw the dove. But maybe there's, I missed something. Because I just don't understand. What's the cause of believing doubt? Same cause in your life today. It's the number one cause for friction in any relationship, anywhere at any time. Answer, unmet expectations. And I see heads nodding. That's the truth. Unmet expectations. I can't tell you how many people that I minister to after the storm winds blow in and they say to me, I had no idea that I signed up for this. An unmet expectation. What were you sitting under for all those years? What were they telling you? What did you believe about your faith? That you would be inoculated and immune from difficulties, trials and tribulations and storm winds because you love Jesus? Jesus promised you these days were coming. What did you miss? Unmet expectations. What were the expectations? Just let me give you the, just a very brief framework right here. We could go passage after, but just one. Just one, because it ties perfectly into John. Ready? Isaiah, of course, we could go all throughout Isaiah, but let's just do Isaiah 61.1. This is what Jesus preaches in his first sermon in his hometown, and they want to kill him. Luke 4, we've already unpacked it. But what does it say? What is John's expectation, okay? The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. So he's, he's here to proclaim good news. But to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Why is this specific to John? Where's John? This is what's blowing him. I'm in prison. 
So John's saying this. He says, I don't understand. John knows the scriptures. His father was what? Priest. He's a priest. John probably had much of it memorized. He knew the expectations. But he's so focused, like everyone else, everyone else in Israel, focused on the conquering king. They have no interest in a suffering servant. They have no interest. They want the conquering king to come and establish the throne in Jerusalem. The Davidic covenant must be fulfilled immediately. So John says, I don't understand this. I am in prison. Rome is in power. And sinners aren't punished. This doesn't add up. This isn't what I've been reading my whole life. This isn't what I was preaching. Maybe I've missed something. You came to set the captives free. If anyone should be free, it should be me. After all that I was doing. And I'm in this miserable dungeon. Waiting my death. And perhaps because we can't find it in Scripture. And you haven't even visited. He didn't even go see him. At least we don't see that anywhere. So John's confused. It doesn't add up, Jesus. Verse 22, let's keep unpacking. Jesus replied. Notice, see, sometimes we come to the scriptures and we have to ask what isn't being said. He, he He doesn't defend his position. He doesn't defend his Messiah. What does he say? He actually, he, he actually springboards out of his sermon on the plain. What does he say? A good tree will bear what? Good fruit and a bad tree will bear what? Bad fruit. You must practice what you preach. So he's going to demonstrate. My miracles will validate not only my message, but my messiahship. So here's his response. Ready? Go, tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind see. Didn't you know that was going to happen? The lame walk, the deaf hear, the lepers are cured, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Now, how do we know this is believing doubt? What does Jesus say about John? Blessed is he who does not fall away on account of me. There's no falling away here. There's no unbelief. He's struggling like all of us struggle from time to time. There's nothing wrong with the struggle. Isaiah 35, 5 and 6. Then will the eyes of the blind, and and in Scripture, almost always, this is talking about spiritual blindness. It always points to spiritual blindness. Yes, temporal blindness was healed. Yes, all of that happened. But that wasn't the most important thing. It was spiritual blindness. The blind, he opened their eyes. And the ears of the deaf were on. Now they can hear the truth. They can hear the truth. Then will the lame leap. The dead will be raised. You see it all? There's the gospel. Beautifully. They ask, where's the gospel in the Old Testament? It's everywhere. There it is right there. Beautifully. And in the Bible, let me make this clear. There's only one person who ever opened anyone's eyes. Jesus. It's telling us something. Has he opened yours? Back to the passage, 24. Now, before we go to the passage, you ever heard of something like this happening in life? Let's just be practical for a moment, right? And and perhaps it's happened to you. I'm sure none of you have ever done this. 
you speak to someone's face and you say really nice and kind things, but as soon as they go away, you speak poorly of them. Now, I know none of you have ever done that, but maybe it's been done to you. No one in here, no one in this church, no one does that. But perhaps you've had that done to you. So John sends a couple disciples. Jesus decides while the disciples are there not to defend himself. Who, who is this man who darkens my counsel? He doesn't say that. He says, go tell them what you've seen and heard. Tell them. He, he performed some miracles while they were there. Go, go tell them. But now the disciples leave. Now it's time for Jesus to tell the masses, who does this guy think he is, right? Seems like this would be a good time for that. Jesus spoke about John after they left. People do this all the time. After you leave the room, now they speak what they really feel. Ready? What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind. You know what that means, right? Somebody who's blown by the strongest wind that's, that, that's blowing at the time, who's at the mercy of the strongest undercurrent. Now, that's not John. That's not John. John was a man of conviction. You didn't go out to see a reed swayed. All right, well, maybe a man dressed in fine clothes. Can you imagine? Remember when Jesus was talking about that big plank? And it's almost it's comedic, right? And he's got the plank, and he's holding it out by his eye. And he says, you're concerned about a speck, and you got a plank in your eye. He says, you go out to see a guy that's wearing good clothes? It, 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 it's a comedy. They're, they must be laughing. He's dressed in camel's hair. Living in the wilderness, eating wild honey and locusts. This is a comedy right now. You didn't go out to see a guy who's wearing good clothes, living in a palace. Who did you go out? A prophet? Yes, but more than a prophet. Much, much more than a prophet. It is written about him in Malachi 3.1, and then you can add Isaiah 40. I will send my messenger ahead of you. That's John. Who will prepare your way before you? That's John. And now, here's what Jesus really thinks of John. This is what Jesus really thinks of John's doubt. Among those born of woman, there is no one greater than John. Oh, my word. Do you understand what he just said? Okay, so first of all, let's be clear. Why was John the greatest of, of the... Who, who's the last Old Testament prophet? He's in the new, John. So don't go back, try to think about it. Who's, who was that? Who was that in the old? No, no, it's John. John's the greatest prophet. Why? He's the only prophet who prophesied and saw the fulfillment. Every other prophet prophesied, but there was no fulfillment. John sees the fulfillment. He touches the fulfillment. He baptizes the fulfillment. He's greater than all of the prophets because of his position, his place in God's kingdom work but then Jesus doesn't stop there yet the least in the kingdom that's you me is greater I don't what does that mean surely we're not greater in practice and self-discipline in living a life of commitment to to God are we so what does it mean we're not greater in practice we're greater in position what do we have that John didn't the whole story. We have the cross. He didn't have that. That's why he's in prison asking. I don't understand what's going on. I'm in prison. Rome's in power. Sinners aren't punished. I don't get this. You know why he didn't get it? He didn't fully grasp. Jesus is, if Jesus had gone back to prison, he said, John, John, 
John, do you want to know why sinners aren't punished? Yes, Lord, I, I do. I, I don't understand it. Because you would be on the road to hell. What do you mean? You got to pay for sin first, John. There's a penalty. God's wrath and justice must be dealt with. If I come to punish sinners, then everyone is dead. Because everyone is a sinner. I can't come for that first. I'll come back for that. I'm coming back. But right now, I can't do that. Or no one gets in. I've come to die for sinners. I've come to make the blind see and the lame walk and the deaf hear. That's why I'm here. That's what you preached. I'm coming back. But John, if I punish sinners, you're dead. So we're not greater in practice than John. We're greater in position. We hold a position of what? We look back to the cross. We have the whole story. We we, we get to see that Jesus said it is finished and he meant what he said. That eliminates the self-salvation project. You know how many millions? We'll get to that in point two. We'll get to that in point. Let's leave it for two. Mark 9, 24. Let me just one point. One point on this. John saw Christ. We see the cross. You understand the difference? Powerful difference. Okay? So even the least, greater than John. Mark 9, 24, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Be careful with that term, unbelief. That, 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 that's not really what you, th- it's not the opposite of faith, the unbelief. This is, this is intellectual and emotional doubt is what that is. That was the best term the commentators could come up with for that. A pistis, a lack of faith. So a lack, there's, there's, there's a shortcoming here. But it's nothing more than doubt. Okay, that's all. I do believe. I have a level of faith. I, I do. I've, I've transferred a portion of my trust, but I haven't been able to go all the way. Help me overcome the rest of the way. Bring me all the way home. Okay? Believing doubt. Number two, there's an unbelieving doubt. Guess who had that? Yes, Luke 7, 30 to 35. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law, notice the word rejected. It, probably a, a better translation and I don't like doing that often, but really despised is probably a better word than just reject. They despised. They despised John's message. They despised Jesus' message. They despised God's plan of salvation. Why? They were saving themselves. So the Pharisees, and how do we know that? We'll go on through the passage, and what does it say? Because they, they despised God's purpose, Because they had not, how do we know they despised? They refused to be baptized by John. Okay, well, what does that mean? Many Christians don't understand the baptism uh, in the Old Testament. What's the baptism? I thought it was just for the church age. No, 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 no. There were many Gentiles who converted to Judaism. In order to convert to Judaism, three things had to take place. Number one, you had to make a sacrifice. Sacrifice needed to be made. Number two, you had to be circumcised. The men need to be circumcised, regardless of the age. And then finally, number three, baptism. You have to be baptized. So now John's preaching. Where is he preaching? In Israel. And what is he preaching? He's preaching a baptism of repentance to who? To the Jews. So the religious leaders say, what's the matter with you? That's for the Gentile dogs. That's not for us. We're already in. We're not going to get baptized and, and associate ourselves with these guys. We don't need to be baptized. Why? We're in. We are already in the kingdom of God. We're already his people. John, you're messing this thing up, John. So what's John preach? 
I baptize, ready, Matthew 3.11, I baptize you with water for what? We have nothing to repent of. Why would we do that? So they reject what? God's plan of salvation. What's God's plan? You need a savior. You can't save yourself. You know how many millions in the church right now are saving themselves? Did you know that? You said, I don't understand. You, you, did you know that? When was the last time you spoke to somebody about eternal life? And this is the response you got. I'm, I'm trying to be good. That's, there it is. That's trying to save yourself. Yeah, we should all try to be good. But you're not getting to heaven but trying to get, get, be good. It's not how you get in. Well, I'm, at least I'm not as bad as the next person. <clears throat> no, that, that, that one doesn't get you in either. Well, I've, I've, I've done all of these things and, and, and I put, <clears throat> that doesn't get you in either. No, every response except what? I, I, I guess I'm not getting in unless God gives me his grace. Come on in. That's it. Welcome home. But what? You have to understand that you can't get in. You can't get in on your own. There's nothing you can do to get in. You have to repent. You have to repent. You have to transfer your trust from yourself. You cannot save yourself. It doesn't work that way. The Pharisees were saving themselves. They believed at some point if they kept the whole law, 600 and some odd things in a particular day, the Messiah had to come. They believed this. This is what they believed. It's madness. Proverbs 125. Here they are. Ready? Here's the, here's the Pharisees and the lawyers in Israel. You, and God is speaking. You disregard all my advice. And you do not accept my rebuke. Oh, they could not be rebuked. They could not be rebuked. So, so what does Jesus compare them to? I want to be careful now in the passage that we understand this little, this little section. Almost like a proverbial section in there. He talks about children, but parents, be careful to understand. He's not comparing the Pharisees to children in the concept of being childlike. He compares them to children being childish. And you parents who are raising little ones now, you know the difference, right? Sure you do. Difference between childlike and childish. What does he say now? Back to verse 32. They're like children calling in the marketplace. They're going to play a game, right? All the kids are playing. We played the flute for you, but you did not dance. So what is that? That's, that's a wedding. That's a happy game. We, we set up a happy game for you, and we played happy, 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 happy tunes. But you would not dance. Okay. So if you're not happy, let's go the other route. So we sang a dirge and played sad notes, but you would not cry. What's that? That's a funeral. So you have two ends of the spectrum, probably two of the most dramatic life events, right? Weddings and funerals, certainly birth of children and, and that as well. But you have the bookends, and what? It doesn't matter what we do. You're not happy with any of it. We're happy, you're sad. And we're sad you're happy. So what's Jesus' point? You can't satisfy a self-righteous heart. You can't meet him in his place of deepest need. Why? He has no need. He's in need of nothing. He's, it's the self-made man. It's the self-righteous person. It's the one who says, listen, I'm getting in because of what I'm doing. And I know what I'm doing is enough. I know that I'm good. I know that I'm better than all of these other people. Even in the church, people believe that. 
Even some who believe in faith, listen to me, even some who believe in grace, right, you get in by grace through faith, and they'll say, oh, no, 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 we're saved by grace. We're saved by faith, pistis, we're saved by faith. But then they believe they stay in with their own good works. The spiritual sweat of their brow keeps them in. No. Same grace that got you in keeps you in and gets you past the finish line. It's got nothing to do with you. Yes, work hard. Yes, serve the Lord. Be obedient to him. Yes, but it has nothing to do with you. It was all about them. What does Jesus say? You, you, you worship me with your lips and your heart is far. You don't even know who I am. I'm standing right here. You have no idea who I am. Why? You can't see past your own self-righteousness. It's horrible. What a tiny little portion of scripture that sums up this entire group. This, even today. You can't, no, matter, no matter what, you can't make them happy. And then he, then, then he puts it in the deepest context. Watch what Luke does here. Watch. watch. Now we have weddings and funerals. Look at me. Weddings and funerals. Now we have John and Jesus. Watch this. Watch this. John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine. He, he was off in the mountains somewhere all by himself in the hillside in the wilderness. He was all by himself. But you call him a demon. He has no interest in being with anyone. He's out there preaching the word of God. But you call him a demon. So you got John out here, this aesthetic, way out here, way, way, way off the chart. He's, he's way out, eating locusts and wild honey. But Jesus says, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, just the opposite of John. You call him a drunkard, a glutton. He's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. You've got wedding and funeral. That doesn't satisfy you. You've got John and you've got me. We've got both ends of the spectrum. Nothing. Doesn't matter what happened. Doesn't matter what, why. What, where's the problem? Problem's in your heart. You're the problem. You're the problem. How do we know that? Take a look. Different messengers. Two totally. They couldn't have been more different. They couldn't have been. John withdrew and Jesus went to weddings. John had no interest in any of that. Jesus couldn't get enough. He was with the people. And none of that satisfied them. Why? They could not be satisfied. They didn't need God's help. Millions today believe that. Same message. Let's take a look. Matthew 3, 1, John the Baptist came preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then Matthew 4, 17, what is that? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus and John preach the same message. We have the same message, different messengers, the same exact wicked, evil response. Wicked. Nothing was going to bring them. They had a deliberate decision to deny God. That's unbelief. That's not doubt. That is unbelief. The conscious decision to say, I will not believe in that. I have no need for that in my life. So, final passage in this text. But wisdom, 35, but wisdom is proved right by all of her children. Be careful with that. We don't want to be so dogmatic. Listen to me. 
We're going to show you what happens with the Pharisees, and we're going to show you truly the deep wisdom of the Scriptures, right? Wisdom is what? Jesus is wisdom, God's Word. Wisdom, by, by wisdom that's infused by grace through faith, it will produce what? It will produce good fruit. So wisdom will be proved right. Remember, remember the conflict that, that some talked about between Paul and, and, and James? And, and James says, no, 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 no. The, the justification you, you, by, by your works. No, 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 no. What was James saying? Same as Paul. Your works justify you in the eyes of others. It proves that it's not just a profession of faith. There's a practice. You actually possess it. They, were, they were, had two different arguments, number one, about justification, but they were on exactly the same page. Jesus here says wisdom is proved right by what? The offspring. So what do the Pharisees produce? Matthew 23. Take a look. Just one passage. Woe to you, teachers of the law, Pharisees, you hypocrites. What do they produce? You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell. He says, this is what you produce. This is what your wisdom gives us. They become twice as much a child of hell as you are. Just remember, we need to be careful with that dogmatic statement because I, I, I as a pastor, get to meet with many, 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 many families. And there can always be struggles. You can do, listen to this. I learned this a long, long time ago from great mentors in my life. You can do everything right as a Christian parent and things turn out wrong. And you can do everything wrong and have things turn out right. There's, there's, there's no way to figure all this. That, that's not a dogmatic statement. You do the best you can and you trust unto the Lord and you hope that, 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 that God will take care of them. You, you do what you can. You get them to Jesus. You point them to the Lord. You bring them to church. You get them around godly friends. You do what you can. But you can't always be sure. You just you, you can't. You never know. And you pray and you pray and you pray. I remember with Kim and I, when we were praying and getting ready for Brock to go off, and we said, listen, we, we, we have even a greater difficulty than many. We, we planted a church. And I hate to put it in this context, but it's really true. Our kids were really stuck at the church all the time. Okay, so six years. So he's in ninth grade, and, and, and they're just they're here all the time. We said, man, we're this, it's easy to mess this one up. You send them off, and they have our faith. And you just, you never know. So we send Brock, and two years later we send Jenna, and, and, and they seem to be serving the Lord, and they're in the church. But yesterday we were driving, two days ago, and Tank has the phone. He says, hey, Jenna just sent a text. And Jenna sends this text and says, Daddy, I want you to listen to this. This is my new favorite song, one of the brand new songs from Hillsong. You are, I, I am who you say I am. And I started to play it. And I had my sunglasses on. It was still light out. And Katie looked over and she leans back and she says to Tank. And my tears are starting to come down. So Tank hands me a napkin. And I look at this and I go, of all the things she could be listening to, of all the stuff that she could be doing, this is what she sends? This is my new favorite song? It's all of God's grace. That's all. Wisdom is proved right by all of her children. You do the best you can and you pray that God sorts it all out when you get to the other side. But you play your part. You do the best you can. You make it real, but you tell them it's got to be real for them. They have to have a relationship with Jesus. Because if it's yours when they leave, it won't work. 
So that's, so be careful with that being dogmatic, and that brings us to our final point for the close. Delivering doubt. There's a doubt that delivers. You know, I have many who come to me, and they'll say to me, Pastor, I just not, I don't think I'm saved. Okay. And we walk through it. And for the most part, let me make this statement crystal clear. I don't think I've ever come across anyone who has said that to me, that I haven't been able, after the end of the discussion, been able to say this to them. You couldn't have even come to me and said that if you weren't saved. After this talk, you couldn't, you, you couldn't have said it. You're just in a season of struggle. Don't listen. Don't listen to the evil one. Don't listen to him say to you, well, maybe you're not his because you're going through a season of death. Don't listen to that. That's not true. Why do you think these stories are here? They're here for you. They're here to comfort you and encourage you. They're here to help you get back up every time you get knocked down. Maybe there's even some people in your life who've come along and said, Man, maybe you're not even his. Maybe, and, and you claim to be a Christian. Don't listen to that. Don't do it. Listen to him. How, how did Jesus respond to John? No greater man, born of woman. And he questions Jesus in front of thousands. He sends two disciples to question him. Don't, don't. Let, let whatever doubt deliver you. Ready? Don't miss this. Luke 1, 17. John the Baptist he will go, and he wasn't a Baptist. He was he baptized. So you're going to call him John the Presbyterian. But he baptized. He dunked, though. He should have been sprinkling, right? Should have been sp- <laughs> Presbyterian sprinkle. He dunked. The Baptist, not a Baptist. He baptized. But watch. Watch the anointed of. He's filled with the spirit in the womb because Mary shows up, speaks to Elizabeth, her cousin, and he leaps in the womb. And this guy's doubting. It's okay. So here's John. He will go before the Lord in the spirit. And they're missing a word here. In the spirit, and I hate to correct scripture. In the spirit and the power of Elijah and also what? His doubt. He went in the spirit, he went in the power, but he also went in his doubt. You remember Elijah's doubt, don't you? Oh, my word. Elijah has this massive, massive victory on Mount Carmel, right? And and, and fire comes down from heaven and consumes the the sacrifice. And that's after after all the prophets of Baal were trying to get fired and couldn't get fired, come down and, 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 and... Elijah's mocking them, and, and, and then he calls, and, and they pour water, and water, and, and then he calls, for, burns everything up, slays the prophets of the 400. There's no way Elijah could be doubting. 1 Kings 19, 3 and 4. Elijah was afraid of what? A pagan woman. He was afraid of Jezebel and he ran for his life. He sat under a broom bush and he prayed that he might die. This is Elijah. 
John comes in the spirit and the power and the doubt of Elijah. It's okay. Just know what to do with it. What did John do with his doubt? He brought it to Jesus. Know what to do with it. Here's just a couple points just for you to take home. And we're done. Eve. Eve doubted God's provision. Abraham doubted God's promise. Moses doubted God's plan. Gideon doubted God's protection. Peter doubted God's purpose. And Thomas doubted God's presence. Doubt everywhere. Believing doubt. Believing doubt. Crying out to God. So question. Dealing with any doubt? Lately, the cause of believing doubt, let's just put it in its context and finish. Unmet expectations. The cure of believing doubt, meet with Jesus. Know where to take your doubt. Final passage, Psalm 77, 11. Remember remember, I will remember the deeds. He said to the disciples, go back and tell them what I've done. Tell them what you've seen. So God says to you, remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. There's the gospel. There it is. And now's the time of invitation. Outstretched arms and nail-scarred hands. And Jesus says to you, come. Right now, right as you are. If you're on the internet and you're watching and listening, you have never surrendered control of your life to Christ today. Right now is a moment of salvation. This is the time of invitation to come to Christ. By grace, through faith. This is not a work of man. God is drawing you by the power of the Holy Spirit. You feel the pulling and the tugging inside. The conscience has been seared and you sense God's presence come by grace through faith and salvation is yours this day. Let me make something perfectly clear. Right now is a moment of salvation. Later today or tonight, it may not be. It may be too late. Come to Christ. Jesus says, come all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. If you've never prayed to receive, pray with me now these words. Bow your heads and your hearts. Father, I've heard the truth today, and that truth has set me free. I cannot fix this. I cannot save myself. I desire the baptism of repentance. I cry out to you, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So I confess my sins. Oh, God, hear my, hear my prayer. I confess to you I cannot fix it. I trust in Christ alone. Give me the gift of repentance and faith. Give me the new heart that the scriptures tell us about. A heart that beats for nothing smaller than Christ. And Lord, now for everybody who's been walking with you, some for decades, give them a fresh view of the cross. You see, unlike John the Baptist, we get to look back. We get to see that cross. We get to see where you hung and you cried out and you bled out and you died for us. That's the truth. We have the whole truth. 
Let us surrender to that truth this day. Today is a day of salvation. Tomorrow it may not be so. Thank you. In Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said. Amen. Please stand and worship with us. Thank you. 